Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. One thing we can promise is that our conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. And I'm your co-host, Nidhi Kana. Nidhi. Have you ever gone sailing? I have gone sailing once, actually, Marco. Uh, I shouldn't say that. More than once. But once when I was at a friend's wedding, actually. Oh. They had a wedding at a camp up north. north okay. North of Toronto. In an area called the Kawarthas. Kawartha Lakes. Um, and the bride's family actually owned a camp. Oh. And so they had their wedding at this camp, and during the day, you could be a camper, essentially, like you were when you were 13, 14, and got to do camp activities. And one of the activities was sailing in a small sailboat where you would have to manually... um, move your head and move a duck here and there okay. in order to move the sail. I see. Um, and that was my very first experience with sailing. Did you than, enjoy it? I did. We, we toppled over. Oh, my goodness. Um, however, that being said, it was a really fun, fun experience or first introduction to sailing sure the only other type of sailing i would say that i knew of wasn't really sailing at all because it would just be on a boat okay (laughs) wasn't doing much other than a nice glass of wine in my hand so i guess that's boating is that boating i think that's boating okay i think sailing involves much more work and you're harnessing the wind to set your sail adrift and uh, using it to move your craft around uh, the water. Are I, you a big sailor? I've only been sa- I've only sailed once in my life and it was with a friend of mine who was very competent and we we rented a little sailboat on 
Professor's Lake. I don't know if you're familiar with Professor's now, Lake. Yes, I do know that lake because it's sort of a lake in the middle of a city, really. Yeah, it's, I believe it's in Brampton. Correct. And it is a man-made lake. And it's crowded. It can be crowded. And one of the great features of that particular lake is you can rent a small sailboat. I want to say built for two or three max. It wasn't very big. And she was like, I'm going to take you sailing and teach you some sailing things. So we were on on this little sailboat and um, she told me to jib and jab. I can't even remember to be honest with you, but oh, yes, it jib. was it was a lot of work actually. It was lovely because, you know, when you're on the water and you're using the wind on a nice day to bring you to and fro and when you're with someone who knows what they're doing, it is quite a sort of experience it sort of really teaches you what nature can do and uh it was quite at a certain point i sort of gave up and i i let her do the work and i just kind of laid on the boat and i think i almost fell asleep too it was so relaxing but i enjoy being on the water and uh whether it's on a boat or in a sailboat or a ship um i once boarded the blue nose too you know, the Blue Nose, if you've ever seen a Canadian dime, for our listeners who are not Canadian, they'll notice that there's a schooner, which is a type of, I'm going to guess, I'm going to say boat. I know people who are into ships and boat get boats get very upset when you use the wrong term, but it's a schooner. I know that for sure. And the Blue Nose one is on our dime, but they have, it's no longer around, but the Blue Nose two is available and you'll see it often in different harbors in particular if you're in Halifax or in Nova Scotia for that matter you will see the blue nose too and you can board it and ask questions and it's a really beautiful beautiful schooner did you have any particular questions about the schooner that you asked on that? Or what were were they more sailing type questions or trivia type questions? Um, I don't even remember. And yeah, I was just fascinated at how tiny the area is for the crew to be in. Oh, really? And I was asking, like, how does everyone, you know, how do you guys stay on this on this on this vessel and, and not step on each other? And they were oh, after a while you get used to it and it's part of the joy of sailing, I guess. There, I remember when I was in high school, mm-hmm. one of the most amazing opportunities that we would hear about sure. would be to do your last year of high school on a boat. Oh, and you got to sail around the world and uh you would also be working on this boat so the boat itself was actually like a classroom so it wasn't a cruise ship or anything like that but it was a boat that um you would spend time in class but then you would also spend time you know learning how to sail or working in the mess or in the calf or 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 whatever mopping the the deck and it was always one of those experiences that seemed really cool. Right. But I have a feeling that I would get onto that boat and be miserable. You know, I, it's one of those things that sound great in theory. They and then do. when you're there 
and you're like, oh, I'll get to see the whole world, but you're doing all the work that is necessary to sail, especially around the world. Uh, either I believe you either have a passion for it and love every moment of it, or you, you love it, as my father-in-law loves to sail and boat, or you're like me and you just want to sit and have someone else do the work and just watch the whales watch the whales and i say that because i, I was going to say the waves but whales came out i worked on a cruise ship oh you did yes and what we would do is on nice days we would be out on the deck and um whoever spotted a whale first and you would see sort of the plume of the spray from their blowhole and uh I love that. I love that image. The plume (laughs) of the spray from their blowhole. Yeah, and it would be in the distance, right? And so we had one friend on board who, her name is Michelle Miracle. She would spot the whales quicker than any of us. And so we said, Michelle, you have a whale eye. You know how someone has an eagle eye when they have a sharp eye? Yes. We (laughs) cried. We crowned her as having a whale eye. So she didn't find that term of endearment very um, comforting or she didn't didn't enjoy it. But That's funny because don't they say that when dogs give you that kind of look where they look a little bit pathetic Mm -hmm. and sorrowful because they didn't get what they want, don't they call that whale eyes? Oh, I've... To be very honest with you, I've never heard really? that term before. I just know that we used it for those of us who could spot the whale. And Michelle, being the best of us all, had the, had the best whale eye. And to this day, if uh, any of us who worked on that ship uh, spot something very quickly, uh, we'll say, oh, you've got the whale eye. So um, tell me more about this term that they use for dogs. So apparently... Okay, so what I was just referring to is actually doe eyes that dogs give. However, they also give whale eyes. And a whale eye in a dog refers to um, a body language signal where the dog shows the whites of its eyes. um, And it's a warning signal that is often accompanied by hard eyes, freezing, stiffening up, or growling. Mm -hmm. So it's breed-specific. Okay. But it is a thing. It's interesting um, where we get these terms um, and how, you know, your eyes and animal eyes uh, certainly sort of play into a lot of mythology and interesting sort of facts. It's very true. But I guess it makes sense. Mm -hmm. I think whales probably have... Well, I've never really seen a whale's eye, but I'm assuming they're sure. quite big. Have you ever seen a whale in real life? I've only seen them from afar mm-hmm. because when we were kids, we used to go to the Tadoussac area near Quebec City. Oh. And you would be able to whale watch. And so whenever we had family come from abroad... Is this the St. Lawrence we're talking? Yes. So were they belugas? They were... Uh, I know, they may have been blue I, I know that Some the St. Lawrence also, has, uh, sorry, has um, a lot of belugas in it. But you were saying when family would come, they we would we would go whale watching sure. in that area. But 
I guess there were some belugas, but I think they were bigger whales. Okay. Like they were darker. Sure. I just don't remember the name of the the breed of, the, of what? Yeah, oh, I don't know if you'd say the breed. Or a species? Breed, the species of whale. Uh, I have seen whales. I went whale watching in Halifax with um, some friends, and uh, we saw some whales pretty close. I believe we saw minke whales. And then, as I said on the cruise ship, we would see whales in the distance. And most recently, we saw dolphins and manatees, but oh, that was wow. in the Indian River of Florida. So. And it's funny because Amanda spotted the manatee. And oh. I said to her, you've got the whale eye. Ha. Hopefully she took it a little bit better. Or maybe not. No, she takes it well because even when we're sort of driving and we have to sort of spot an exit, uh, whoever spots it has the whale eye. Huh. The only person who didn't like that term was the person who actually, who actually had, had the, whale eye. the whale eye. So apparently, between May and October mm -hmm. in the St. Lawrence River, yes, um, there are up to 13 species of uh, cetaceans. I guess that's the official name for whales that can be found in those salty waters. Sure. Um, and so you also get blue whales. Really? In the St. Lawrence? Yeah. No. Yes, you get really? blue whales, um, which of course are the largest animals on the planet, mm -hmm. but you usually get humpback whales, okay. and I think that's the one that I was thinking of. Um, so, uh, yes, because humpbacks are the darker, are a darker species of whale. Well, certainly you'd know them from a beluga, which is very white. Speaking of belugas. Yes. I don't know if, if I've ever mentioned this to you before, and I feel like we may have discussed it on an earlier episode, but it is so fascinating. I don't mind bringing it up again. Sure. Um, of course, beluga whales remind me of beluga caviar. Oh, yes. And have you ever seen a sturgeon in real life? I have not. So, Nitty, this fish is so unique looking, and they can grow to be humongous and there's a lot of sturgeon in our lakes in Canada as of course uh, is the case in Russia where people like where caviar is sort of renowned or where it, it sort of took off and uh, the true caviar the blue caviar comes from a sturgeon now sturgeons they used to sort of catch them and remove the caviar and, you know, utilize the fish. But because, you know, caviar is such a prized, prized commodity, they are now, and because they don't want to diminish or deplete the numbers of uh, sturgeons in the water, they will remove the caviar, sew the fish back up, and place it back in the water. Oh my goodness. Interesting, because the sturgeon has... It's a very old fish or an ancient fish, and it looks that way. It almost looks like a cross between some odd dinosaur relic meets a fish. Uh, yes, I think I'm looking at a few pictures of some sturgeon, okay. sturgi, sturgeon. Oh, that's good, I would hmm. say sturgeons I, with an S. I pluralize oh. with an S. Okay. See, I don't think there's an S. Okay, well, we'll have to find that we'll out. We'll have to find that out. But um, And you're right, they have a bit of... Uh, 
even whiskers or something yeah. on their on their chin, which makes it look even more elderly, I guess, as a as a fish. Sure. Um, but you're right. There is something that's very ancient looking about them. Um, I find you know it's interesting that they come in a variety of different colors: green and I see one with, that has a little bit of a reddish tone, rather than your more traditional gray-looking sure. fish. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're quite massive, aren't they, Marco? Huge. Now, I had seen a bunch because uh, I was on Georgian Bay, and something must have happened. There must have been something that happened. There was a few sturgeon washed up on the, on the shore, and we were walking, and... I looked and I said, I think those are sturgeon. And we got close and sure enough, it was a sturgeon. I will say that the plural form of sturgeon is in fact sturgeons with an S. Oh, I uh, stand corrected. Uh, now, Nitty, speaking of fish, have you ever gone fishing? And if so, tell me about the time you caught something. So, Marco, I have never gone fishing. Oh. And I actually have no desire to. Really? I feel like fishing is one of those things that um, you either want to do it or you just never want to do it. There's never an in-between with fishing, I find. Um, But I have no desire to put bait on a tackle and throw out a line Sure, you wouldn't put bait on a tackle. You'd put it on a hook. Well, there you go. Okay. See, another reason why I wouldn't go <laughs> no, fishing. fair enough. How about you? Oh, I, I as a child, wanted to be a fisherman, so... Did you? That was my... You know how most children will want to be police officers or firefighters or, uh, you know, astronauts. I wanted to be a fisherman, so... What, what was it about being a fisherman that appealed to you i had a fascination and love for fish and when you're small you don't realize that a fisherman actually doesn't study fish but rather catches them for food but that's what i wanted to be and i wanted my folks to take me fishing as much as they could and so my dad who was fairly accomplished as a sort of amateur fisherman would go and and knew the various spots and when to go and had fishing rods I, I at least i remember that all my life would take me and sometimes we would fish with corn so you could use corn on the end of it yeah instead oh, of worms okay sometimes we use worms and sometimes we'd use minnows and sometimes we'd use um actual uh lures but i remember one time it was my older cousins my dad and myself and we all went to a marsh to go fishing and i was the only one who caught a fish and it was a rainbow trout i recall it like it was yesterday that sensation of you know being excited having it on the line and my dad telling me to reel it in but not to reel it in too quickly or too fast because you could you could unhook the the fish on on the other end of the line. There's a sort of a technique on how to hook the fish. And how old were you, Marco? Oh, that's I must have been maybe I was a seven. Oh, 
I was young. It's one of the first sort of memories that I can really recall being a youngster because it was so exciting. I was, I, not only did I catch the fish, I was the only one to catch it. My older cousins didn't catch it. My dad didn't catch it. I think even my mom was, was there. And we, in fact, uh, took that fish and my mom gutted it and scaled it and we ate it and it was really quite it was a beautiful looking fish because i don't know if you've ever seen a rainbow trout before no. certainly you must have tasted trout a rainbow trout because that's a, a fish, we, fish. Yeah, common fish that we get here in north america it has a iridescence to its scales that um give you that sort of graduated sort of um, rainbow effect so ah, as yes. far as freshwater fish go um, rainbow trout is particularly pretty not as beautiful as the fish in the Pacific Ocean um, where you see those beautiful colored fish with different sort of plumes and whatnot but certainly certainly it was an accomplishment and then one time and I hope you'll indulge me with another fishing story Please. I caught a fish without a hook Oh, with your hands? No, not with my hands. So Were you on Survivor? No, but you know, this story, it's going to... I should be on Survivor. It would be interesting to be on Survivor. So I... We had a, a piece of property that had a pond on it. And as a kid, I was always by the pond looking at the frogs and whatnot. And I saw fish jump in this pond and... I told my dad and he was like, no, there's no fish in that pond. It's such a small body of water and I don't think it was there. I think it was made because they dug a hole and it filled with water. And I said, I saw fish jump. I want to fish. I want to bring my fishing rod. And my dad was like, there's no fish in there. While he, he and my uncle were tilling the land and, and planting seeds and whatnot, I had found some string. You know that white cotton string that you use to... Sure. To tie off stuff or yeah. you use it sort of in in cooking and whatnot to dress to dress fowl or whatnot and uh, so it was a nice quantity of this cotton white string and what I did was I dug with my hands and found a worm and I tied the worm to this cotton and I thought to myself okay the fish bites the worm but how will it stay on on. So I said, oh, if I make a lot of little knots where the worm is, it'll it'll create like a little mouthful of little tiny knots, little round balls, let's say, by the by the worm. I know it's a little bit confusing. No, but, but you sound like a very smart kid. <laughs> I know. And so what I did was I made all these little knots. I tied the worm to it. I cast this cotton string into the pond and I waited and sure enough within a matter of minutes I felt a tug and so what I did Nitty, was I yanked so hard <laughs> on this with all my you know might nine year old strength yanked and this fish flew out I don't think this fish fish knew what hit it because it flew out of the pond straight into the air at this point the worm was no longer in his mouth arced behind me and over onto the <laughs> land and
And so I started to scream and my cousin started to scream. And all of a sudden my dad and my uncle start running towards us thinking something horrible has happened. Horrible has happened. And they get there and I'm screaming and I have a fish in my hand. And my dad was like, how did you catch this fish? You don't have a hook. You don't have a rod. You don't have anything. And uh, you're a caveman. I was, I was part caveman. He was like, you know, it just shows where there's a will. There's, a, There's way. a way, and I had to prove to my dad I, in fact, saw fish in this pond. And then after that, I would go up with my rod and catch fish and whatnot. It was so easy for some reason. This particular pond, the fish, you would th- you would cast anything in there and you'd catch a fish. So it was it was quite an awesome experience, I have to say. So, Marco, we're getting towards the end of our podcast, mm-hmm. but I have two questions sure and we might only have time for one so okay. i'm going to ask you to choose which question okay. you'd like to Fair answer enough. so the first one is what made you decide to not become a fisherman okay okay and the second would be if you were on survivor mm-hmm. how far do you think you would get in the game and how do you think you'd either win or lose Okay, so um, I'll try to answer both questions because one is actually quite quick. Okay. I decided not to become a fisherman when I realized that a fisherman kills fish and I would rather study fish. Right. And so I wanted to become a marine biologist or at that time I was saying oceanographer, but I couldn't swim. And oh, I'm yes, still not a great course. swimmer. And so because of that, uh, I eventually changed my mind or it drifted away from me. I think I would fare very well in Survivor. With the exception of bugs, hmm. the bugs would drive me crazy. I could eat anything that wouldn't bother me. Um, I think I'd be pretty pretty good at fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, Clearly. Yeah, even with a spear, I think I'd be pretty good, even though I've never spearfished. And I know by no means is that easy. So, because I have a friend, I have friends who are spear fishermen, and they they tell me about it and how. Um, you know, skilled you have to be. So by no means am I I'm saying I have skill at that, but I would be patient and, and do my best at it. And I would be able to pick up morale. I'd have a good sense of morale. I'm pretty optimistic and cheery, so I don't think that, that would get me down. And I feel like, though I've never really seen the show for very long, I've seen maybe an episode or two, a lot of it comes down to your uh, disposition. Correct. So yeah. I think I'd fare well. I don't know if I'd win because there's always someone who's like a crazy jock kind of person. Person who like whatever. But uh, I sure I surely would give it you know the old college try. How do you think you would fare? Well, very quickly, I think I would probably lose on all accounts in terms of like my industriousness in nature so I don't know how to camp or pitch a tent or anything like that but I think I could win on my ability to strategize so I think I could build some good alliances and kind of covertly so I think I could strategize really well but that being said um, here we are at the end of our podcast and I hope our listeners have enjoyed as always you're welcome to Tweet us your fish stories. Yes. At Listen and Sleep. And as always, the Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Productions, and today's episode was recorded in Toronto.